welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most interesting topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 148th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 550th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, November 21st, 2019. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. This week's Banner Moment occurred sometime in the 9 o'clock hour last night when Archie Miller was addressing the media after Indiana's win over Princeton. At the end of Archie's answer to a question about his stated turnover goal of 12 or fewer per game, the coach said this, quote, If you look at the two things with our team, it's rebounding and turning the ball over. If we're rebounding well and we don't turn the ball over, we're going to be all right. If we turn it over or don't rebound, we're done, unquote. Now, Archie wasn't breaking any news here. He's been talking about the importance of rebounding and turnovers since the offseason. And as we've mentioned so many times when analyzing this year's roster, which projects to be a low-volume, moderate-efficiency team from three-point range, the path to an efficient and consistent offense goes through shot volume, which means winning the turnover and rebounding battles to, simply put, have more shot opportunities than our opponents. And since we framed this November slate of cupcakes as both a chance to rack up W's, but also an important stretch of the season for establishing habits and an identity, it's worth examining these two habits and how the Hoosiers are doing so far. In a word, good. The Hoosiers' turnover rate of 15.4% is outstanding. It's almost two percentage points better than any IU team has done over a full season since 2002. Indiana is also doing a solid job of forcing turnovers with a defensive turnover rate of 21%. In terms of rebounding, Indiana is dominating the offensive glass by rebounding 37.8% of their misses. On the other end, they are only allowing opponents to get 24.1% of their offensive boards. Now, are these numbers inflated due to the competition? Absolutely. But all we have to assess this team is the five games it has had on the schedule so far. And if we're going to take the coach at his word that turnovers and rebounding are the team's biggest keys... And if we all agree that shot volume is really important for this group, and if we're more interested in process than result in games against teams that are virtual guarantees to be wins, then I think we have to be encouraged that the Hoosiers have used the front portion of this November slate to establish the habits they'll need to rely on when the games get tougher. It's no guarantee it will happen, of course, but it's a heck of a lot better predictor than if the Hoosiers were scuffling in these areas. Louisiana Tech comes to the hall on Monday as the clear best team Indiana will have faced this season, and the Bulldogs boast similar turnover and rebounding rates to IU, so it will be key-on-key, strength-on-strength. I look forward to seeing how the Hoosiers respond, and the habits they've demonstrated over 200 minutes of basketball thus far gives me confidence that it will be a positive response. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show to my left, He's the Walter McCarty of Girls View Sports Coaching in Cincinnati, the President Emeritus of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, and one of the world's most unexpectedly profane bracketologists. San Diego chicken sh- I hammered the shit out of that. It's time to shut the <laughs> down, folks. It's 858. Go yourself. Uh, fantastic. Uh, never get told. Andy, what is your bottom line on the last week in IU basketball? 
Yeah, those those never hesitate to make me chuckle. So it's good. It's one of the only times I've actually enjoyed hearing my own voice played back because the swearing. But you know, not sure what that says exactly. Uh, you know, for me, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the the game uh, against Princeton since I wasn't able to be on the show uh, with you guys last night. But you know, I, I think another you know kind of rough first half, but uh, but the team continues to make solid adjustments and really come out focused. Uh, on whatever the coaching staff is telling them to do coming out in the second half. And just, I, I think it shows you just how good this team can be when they're really locked in and, and focused on the details of what the coaching staff wants and, and really goes out of their way to, to emphasize those things in their play on the court. And it, I think everybody just wants to see those stretches more often uh, and for longer, but you, you do see uh, some of those habits in the, uh, you know things that you mentioned. I think those are those are positive signs. We've been able to see a lot of different guys get involved in the depth of the team, which I think everybody pointed to as a strength coming into the season uh, has really played out that way. Uh, partly due to injury and getting some other guys' experience, but I think also uh, just because of you know the the opponents and being able to to play guys you know twenty you know eighteen minutes something like that. And I think those things will pay dividends on down the line. You've seen multiple guys contribute and a lot of interesting potential combinations that you could have. I think IU will be more able to adjust to what other teams are doing this year from a personnel standpoint in ways different than what we've seen in past years. And that will remain to be seen how that happens as it, as we go through and, and play other opponents. But so far uh, I think the team has responded relatively well to whatever small bits of adversity they've had over the course of these games. And I'm interested to see how they continue to grow over the rest of the season. Another good stepping stone in the Louisiana tech game uh, coming up on Monday will be the biggest November challenge. Hopefully they rise to that and get ready for a much more challenging December. All right. And to my right. He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember, fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach and it's Tonsoni time. Practice? Coach, what's on your mind? <laughs> well, you know, Indiana's 5-0, and 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 they're getting better. It's just how much better are they, and are they good enough to play here in December? And you know, that's what, what I'm thinking about. In, in looking at the, the film clips that we do for – for the community, I do see that from game to game, there is improvement. We see it from first half to second half within the game improvement, as Andy uh, mentioned. And I think that's a key from a coaching standpoint that, you know, the season is is a long journey and it's about, you know, applying what is, is said and done in practice. And then the only concern that you have as a coach is when are the players going to be able to internalize that themselves and take care of it themselves that the coach doesn't have to make adjustments or, or be all fired up about the defense uh, at the end of the first half as, as I watched when I replayed the game. I, I too, missed the game last night, uh, but watched the replay. So th that's the next sign of growth that I'm looking for is, is when, can, when do the players have this more uh, of a habit that they, they play with night in and night out defensively. But I thought that the defense got better at Troy. I thought last night, even despite the close first half, I thought their defensive effort um, was better, obviously better in the second half than it was in the first half. So Indiana's getting there. Now it's time to play some better opponents and just see where 
where this team is, and it's time to get some people totally healthy so you have all 11 uh, scholarship guys available to use uh, as needed. God, no kidding. No kidding. All right, here is what we are going to talk about this week. We will run through a couple of interesting Hoosier headlines. Then for our main topic, we are going to kind of make some bold predictions based on what we've seen over the first five games, the things that we feel strongly about, uh, although, of course, with the caveat that you know it's only been five games and the competition hasn't been great. Uh, and then finally, we will answer your questions, another great slate of questions, uh, so we look forward to answering those. But before we do all of that, let's talk real quick about tickets, because you have a lot of options when it comes to where you get your sports tickets. And this isn't really an industry that is known for its growth, innovation, and customer friendliness. But with millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves that there's a better way. They built the fastest way to find tickets so that you can stop searching for the perfect seat and instead start enjoying it. Just look at the App Store. SeatGeek has over 50,000 five-star reviews. And the reason is because they deliver a better process for buying tickets. They pull together millions of tickets from all over the web. Then they rate each deal on a scale of 1 to 10 with a color-coded system to show the value. Green dots mean good deals. Red dots are overpriced. And then they display the tickets on an interactive seat map so you can see right where they are. And every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets with confidence. I am looking right now at the SeatGeek page for this Saturday's game, Michigan at Indiana. If you don't have your tickets yet, you should go. It is one of the biggest football games we've had. I was there in the stadium in 1987 when Indiana last beat Michigan. You are going to want to be there this year when Indiana finally breaks that streak. And, of course, come stop by Coach Tonsoni's tailgate before the game. But you look at the SeatGeek map, there's a bunch of green dots, a bunch of good deals. You can get good tickets for 30 40 50 bucks. Get there if you can be there. Let's make that place as loud as possible. Support those football Hoosiers. And when you do it at SeatGeek, you can get $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Just use our promo code ASSEMBLY. That's A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y for $10 off your first purchase. Again, promo code ASSEMBLY for $10 off your first purchase at SeatGeek. Okay, uh, Hoosier headlines, guys. Let's start with uh, you know some good news. Obviously, there was some bad news. We'll get to that in just a moment. But congrats is in order for Jawan Morgan who uh, you know, signed that kind of whatever it's called, the Exhibit 10 contract with Utah earlier this year, was waived, but then went to the G League, but was just re-signed by, uh, by Utah and re-signed because Jawan was blowing up in the G League. He was averaging 15 points, 8 boards, 2 assists, 1.8 steals, 1.8 blocks, really, really playing well, uh, you know, shooting it pretty well from outside too. And so they signed him, I believe it was a two-year deal. Now he's obviously not guaranteed to be you know, up at the NBA level. He'll probably be in the G League. Uh, but still, great news for Juwan. And man, that Tom Crean recruiting class with Thomas Bryant, Juwan Morgan, and OG Ananobi, one of his lowest rated, and it produced three guys with NBA contracts. That is how you're a champion. Um, well done. Uh, hat tip there to Coach Crean. But uh, but congrats to Juwan Morgan. A lot of hard work, and uh, you know, nice to see him being able to fulfill his dream, Andy. Yeah, I agree. It, he was a guy that you saw over his career at IU, and I think you can envision in the pros that if he got a shot, nobody was going to outwork him or out-tough him for opportunities. And and so much of that is also just being able to end up in the right scenario. And And I think that gets brought up a lot as the draft comes around each year where guys who are potentially you know, back end of the second round type guys, everybody will often say it's better to not be drafted and pick your spot where you feel like a system can fit for you, where there's a potential playing time opportunity and just putting yourself in a position to be successful. And, and in that way, maybe a little bit like, you know, getting recruited and picking a college where you can go to, you're trying to find a place that you think you can be successful. So, uh, you know, kudos to Juwan for 
not only doing a good job of, of picking what turned out to be a good spot for him, but also taking advantage of that opportunity, being really successful. And I think you'll continue to see those kinds of stories in the G League where guys really you know, work at it and, and players who are versatile, as he proved to be over the course of his time at IU, there's people will find a spot for guys like that to be in the NBA and uh, exciting for him for sure. And interested to see if he, once he's up there, what kind of playing time he might actually see and does he have another opportunity there to take advantage of and carve out a, a bench role for himself in that scenario as well. Yeah. And you know, spending some time in the G league is not an awful thing. Like it, you know, you're probably not going to be a superstar if you have to start in the G league, you know, but look at what happened with Thomas Bryant, you know, as Ryan has talked about many times, you know, he got some time in the G league, you know, really, you know, grew as a player and has parlayed that, you know, and that growth into, you know, really having a, a key role in Washington where he's starting and signed a contract coach. So it's a really good opportunity for Juwan. Happy to see him taking advantage of it. You know, and it's nice to have the G League for these guys uh, that are just on the outside and they can show what they can do and then get their shot. And, and so you're always happy for the Indiana guys when they find success in, in something that they've done, especially for the guys. You, you like anyone who showed up at, at Indiana for any length of time, but someone like Juwan who, who gave everything uh, through injuries and, and just the way he played, you're happy for him to get his shot. You know, and I I kind of look at these things from the Indiana perspective. What story can the coaches tell about this? You know, the Romeo story is easy. You know, you're a five-star guy. You're a top-five recruit. You come in, you're a lottery pick. Like, okay, that's great. But that's not going to be the majority of the recruits. The majority of the guys that are going to come through are probably going to have, you know, pedestrian stats their first couple of years, like Jawan battle through some injuries. And, you know, now you can tell a guy, coach, as he's maybe going through some hard times early, hey, look what Jawan Morgan did. He didn't put up a lot of numbers his first couple of years. He was a role player. You know, he waited. He stepped into more of a starring role as a junior, still fought through injuries. And look at him now. He's in the NBA. Like that, that's a story that's more applicable to a greater number of guys. And I think that's going to be useful for Archie. Yeah, especially since Archie wants to get old and stay old. And you, and you have those guys that don't have that natural, you know, uh, one and done or two and done type ability. You can sell them on that, that you come here and give us three or four solid years. You never know. You could make a shot at making the league uh, because that's what we do here at Indiana. And you're always looking for advantages in many areas. And that would be an advantage in recruiting that, yeah, Archie should definitely use. And Archie had a big role in that too, because he was a part-time scorer. And then that responsibility of production comment uh, is junior year. And he took off for two years. So I think that that bodes well for Archie in, in sharing that example. Well, that was the good news, Andy. The bad news was that Dawson Garcia, Indiana's really lone remaining target in the class of 2020, at least the, you know, the only other guy out there with a scholarship offer, chose to go to Marquette over Indiana. You know, it, it seemed like, you know, some of the narratives there over the last maybe 36, 48 hours, as you started to hear where he was leaning, you know, Marquette's been in the recruitment longest. They're closer to home. And what really stuck out to me, you know, he did an interview with Corey Evans, you know, and, and really, you know, he talked about that closeness with the staff and how they were going to use him. Um, and, you know, obviously the path to immediate playing time at Marquette, just based on what they project to have coming back, seems clear at Indiana, not that you wouldn't expect a five-star of his talent level to come in and play right away, but that's that's going to be a position of strength for us with Trace and Race and, you know, Jerome and, and Joey Brunk coming back next year. Like, we have depth there. So I'm guessing probably all of that played into it, and, you know, he chose to go to Marquette. Certainly wish him luck. It's disappointing uh, that he didn't choose Indiana because, you know, obviously he would have upped the talent level next year, but it's not any type of death knell for next year's team because I still think we're going to be pretty good 
down low, at least based on how we project it from this early in this year. Yeah, to me, it's a lot of it's a little bit of what I was, you know, alluded to with Juwan Morgan, where you're you're trying to pick a place to go that you have the best opportunity to be successful. And if you look at Marquette, Marcus Howard's going to be gone while he plays obviously a different position. There's a lot of shots to be replaced, a lot of scoring to be replaced when he's not there. And so I think if I'm the coaching staff at Marquette, it's a pretty easy story to tell a talented big man that the, you're going to be the focal point of the offense and we're going to run things through you uh, because there's not going to be a clear person to run the offense through after four years of Marcus Howard. So I, I think in that regard, it makes sense for him. Uh, it, it, at least that's the, you know, to me, the story that I would, I would tell if I was recruiting him. And from my use perspective, I think you look at this year and feel pretty good about the depth that that we've seen up front. You'll lose Duran, obviously, but you'll have uh, you still have another year of Joey Brunk. You would expect to have Trace back. You've got Race, uh, and I think you've you've got options there where you're not completely you know devoid in the front court. You've got Justin who can play there if you want to play smaller. Jerome, so a lot of guys are there, and I think that that could also you know, play in a little bit to Garcia to your point, he was going to play no matter what, but it is a little bit of a crowded situation. And we should um, note, I mean, he would have brought shooting. He would be the one big mm-hmm. man that can shoot, which we don't have right that now. Would, so yeah. I, I don't want to underplay that. That would have been, yeah. that would have been useful. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think we talked about with the recruiting, you know, having the guys commit early that did, it really allowed the staff to go all in on Garcia and try to really make their push with him, knowing that, you had a, a good foundation of a class and now their focus will certainly turn to uh, to other players, whether that's another big guy or that's a point guard, who knows what that might really be. But I think you'll you'll certainly see in the coming, you know, weeks where that focus starts to shift and and see what happens. You never know what will be out there from a grad transfer standpoint. If you want to get somebody as a one year, if you do feel like you need a big guy, maybe you find somebody who can uh, come in and space the floor. Those options are readily available these days with so many players transferring. So not a, yeah, not a death knell, as you said, disappointing uh, for sure, but hard to fault a guy for seeing a clear path to, uh, you know, being a focal point of an offense and, uh, and taking advantage of that. And certainly some people have speculated that the style of play in the big 10, you know, might've contributed to it as well. You know, for a guy, he's a big guy, but he's not necessarily a big physical guy, like a trace, you know, he's more of a face, the basket, you know, finesse type big. And, you know, if he wants, uh, you know, a little more free flowing style of play, I don't, I don't fault him for going to the Big East because he's going to get that more than he's going to get it in the Big Ten. And you know, from people who are plugged into this kind of stuff, it does feel like that hurts Big Ten teams in recruitments of some of these elite talents that you know maybe don't want to feel like they should be wearing shoulder pads, you know, in February when they're you know playing in Big Ten games. So I don't know how much that has to do with it, but. It's certainly a narrative that I hear over and over and over again when Big Ten teams lose these high-profile recruiting battles, Coach. Yeah, and, you know, there's so much that goes into recruiting. You have to think that the early uh, relationship with Marquette really played a role, and before Dawson even came to Indiana, he was rumored to be favored to go to Marquette. And, you know, the thing that I try to to do is, congratulations, Dawson, you picked a school that best fit you, and then – you know, for me, I, I don't want to talk a lot, lot, lot about it because he's now with Marquette and our concern is with Indiana and the guys in the program. And I also look at it as we, we miss some of these big name guys and it, and it hurts, but we're, we're in the battle. And, and at some point when we can step back from 
the announcement yesterday. And, and look, um, you do think that coach is, is getting close to getting the Quinones and, and those guys. And it's rather be down to the last two and have the pain of being rejected than not even being in the final four or the final five or final six. So if we can take a step back and, and look at that, uh, locking down the state and we're just missing some, and you know what, Indiana's got, and Archie is going to have to win uh, and you're and winning will help that. Um, and that's just the, that's just the flat truth, but um, congratulations to Dawson. And, and I don't like all the people who, if any, and I didn't get on social media and all that stuff, but you know, let the, let the young man enjoy his announcement and good luck to him and have, have a good solid uh, career up at Marquette. On the other side, Jared, what, what I look at is I do like the three guys that came here. And I think for me, and I'm just an old fashioned old man. Uh, I like guys who want to come and win for Indiana. And I understand that the top echelon players need to think about getting to the NBA and where they're a best fit. And I don't, this isn't a negative that way, but I see Texas tech and I see Virginia and I see Purdue that really scrap and play good team program basketball. And if that is where we're headed, uh, not for surely there yet, but if that's where we're headed with a bunch of three stars, four star guys who are going to really bond together, get old and stay old, then, um, okay, let's go with them on the floor and, and we'll battle and see if we can't make a final four like some of these other teams have down the road in, in the older fashion, maybe way of putting a team together rather than the high NBA lottery picks. Always nice to have that talent, but you know what? Um, I, I like the three guys. That's my team. They're on the floor. Let's go kick your rear end. You know, it's just like coach Knight said that he had a lot of guys down there and they kicked everyone's, you know, rear end all over the court. So let's get back to that regardless of the star ratings. And, and I think that we're moving in that direction, whether it's fast enough or not is, is yet to be seen. Bravo. I agree, coach. All right. Coming up. What do we really know about this Indiana team after fattening up on five cupcakes to start the season? We've dug deep to ascertain what gut feelings we've developed that we actually believe, and we will share those with you next. Stick with us here on The Assembly Call. Hi, this is James Blackman Jr. I never miss an open three. And I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosier. Thank you, James. Welcome back to The Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to join the chat mob during our unedited live broadcast or watch those replays and see all of the Between Segment banner, check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Coach Brian Tonsoni and Andy Bottoms. All right, guys, we're going to kind of try out something a little fun here for uh, for segment two. I think we all agree that it would be foolish to put too much stock into the first five games that Indiana has played, given that they've all been against teams that are, I don't know, four or five rungs below the teams that Indiana will play from December on. But it does feel like there are some things that we've learned that we feel strongly about, and maybe some things that it seems like we've learned, but that history tells us not to put too much stock into. So our goal for this segment is going to be strong opinions, weekly held. What do we feel strongly about right now, with the explicit caveat that all of this is subject to change once Indiana actually plays some good teams, like starting Monday? But, you know, of the stuff that you've observed, that you've seen, like, what do you feel strongly about? Could be positive, could be negative. 
whatever you want. Um, and maybe just for fun, we kind of put this in the, you know, frame it as like bold predictions. Um, so I will start. Uh, I will I will go first. Coach can go next. Um, but, you know, one thing that I feel pretty strongly about, especially after kind of going through today and trying to divvy this up, is I think Race Thompson is going to be sixth on the team in minutes in Big Ten play. You know, Coach, we just talked during the break about all the options that Archie has. And, and you know, and the reason why I say Big Ten play is because the minutes are a little jumbled up right now just because guys have been in and out of the lineup. And so, you know, the minutes they've played aren't indicative of what they would play healthy. But in this wonderful, idyllic world where we actually get everybody healthy for Big Ten play, you know, it seems pretty obvious to me that Rob Devante, Al, Justin, and Trace are going to be top five on the team in minutes. I, is that safe to say? Like, would you guys dispute that at all? Nope. Okay. No, I don't think so. Especially, certainly based on what we've seen. So who's going to be next? And to me, you know, I think it'll be race over Joey Brunk, over Jerome Hunter, over Armand Franklin, who I think would be, you know, probably the three next guys that you would, uh, you know, kind of put in there and debate. And the reason why I think race is because I think he's the most like matchup independent and how he's playing independent like like his his playing time will be independent of those things more than any other player on the roster just because of the things he does like he's an elite rebounder you need that against pretty much anybody he doesn't turn it over which is helpful he's been a really disruptive defender you know high block rate you know good steal rate i don't think those numbers will sustain but still just the fact that he's doing so well in both of those is helpful and he's made his free throws you know he's 13 of 14 and he's a guy who is at least a willing shooter and at some point in his career, I think profiles as a guy who will be able to step out and make some shots, even if he hasn't made them yet. But, you know, if that happens this year, certainly that would help him. But, you know, Coach, I just look at it as I feel like in key moments, it's going to, I think Archie's going to want to have him on the floor. Now, he might not because, you know, you got Justin and Trace and maybe you need your three shooters out there. But I just feel like it's going to be hard for him to take him off the floor because, as we as I talked about during the banner moment, you know, he Archie really values rebounding and taking care of the ball. Race does those things so well and has proven himself to be a really good defender. So, you know, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'm not expecting too much from him, but I just think there are going to be more situations where Archie thinks, okay, race, you know, fits in here than the other guys because, you know, Joey can really be played off the court in certain matchups. You know, Armand's a freshman who I think in certain games, those other three guards are just going to play a ton of minutes. And I don't, you know, I think Jerome's going to be kind of up and down, you know, at least for a while. So race is a guy that I have the most faith in. So I would, I would bank on him being sixth in minutes on this roster in big 10 play. Do we yeah, agree I, with that or no? I think that's um, fairly reasonable. I think Jerome is the one that'll push you for that um, a little bit at his peak. But the question with him is when does he reach his peak? And, and so I think that, you know, uh, race is, is probably the better option. Uh, you know, Joey might do it again, but I, I agree with you. Like defensively, if there's a big post player, he struggled a little bit. And, like there may be games where he only enter. plays like 10 minutes, you know? Yeah. I, I think race needs more minutes, uh, from what he's done early. And, um, you know, that could always, always change, but I think Jerome's the one that would, would make that statement false. Um, if he reached, um, you know, his true, uh, capabilities. And I think we'd be a better team if he did. So I would gladly be yeah. wrong about that if Jerome can do it. But I guess if I had to like bank on one guy right now, just based on what I've seen, it would be, it would be race. Yeah. To me, the, I, I, 
I agree with you. Your logic is sound. You showed your work. That was good. Um, so I would, I would. It's all right here I, in the bullet points, Andy. I would tend to, I would tend to agree. And, and I think one of the things about him, and I feel like this came up after one of the games, where he's a guy who can impact things, but doesn't need the ball in his hands offensively, and and really serves a strong complementary role. Does a lot of things well, as you mentioned, but isn't a guy who needs the ball in his hands. I think when you contrast him with a guy like Jerome and I think coach's point is is spot on at this point Jerome is a guy who needs the ball in his hands to be successful because I think he's just still rounding himself back into shape and off ball movement and getting himself free for for shots and knowing what's a good shot and what isn't at that point you know at, at this point races cleaning up offensive rebounds and doing things like that and every once in a while they'll dump it into him or he'll score off a nice cut to the basket things like that but they're not running stuff for him and I think when you look at what this team might need, given some of the other guys that you mentioned, he he's a he complements just about anybody. Which I guess is a different way to say what you said about he's the most you know matchup proof or uh, or or however you want to say it. So I, I think the logic is sound. I I agree with Coach that Jerome, in an ideal scenario, is the one who would push him the most for it. But otherwise, short of a backcourt injury, I wouldn't see Armand doing that, and and would agree with what you said on Joey. Coach, what strong opinion that is weakly held do you uh, want to put forth this evening? All right, chat mob, hold on to your seatbelts here. This is going to, if you listen to anything I said in last year, uh, this is out on a limb, bold prediction. Devontae Green will be first or second team all Big Ten at the end of the season. The fan club applauds. The fan club applauds. So, so, so. Not a lot to see so far, and I don't have 19 bullet points in the in the in the run sheet here, because um, I too, like Andy, was driving home from practice thinking about uh, what my my comments would be. But uh, what I have seen in the two games, uh, one on tape that I watched Princeton, and then one live at Troy, I really like the demeanor of how he is playing, and, and not so much about the stats. He had better stats, obviously, in the Princeton game. But he's coming in, and specifically what he brings defensively, and you just shows that um, that veteran experience. He's just playing with a little bit of sureness. Uh, I know the Devonte can go crazy at any time. It's only been two games, and I can't really believe that I'm saying that because I've been down on Devonte and, and some of his um, play in the past. And maybe this is just wishful thinking because if he does reach that, then Indiana's going to have a really, really successful season. But he's made some really nice passes. His shot's off a little bit just because he's he's not in condition yet, but I just think that he has a look about him like I'm a senior and I'm going to be a the leader in whatever it takes for this team and be a team player. I get that sense. That is a, a bold prediction, but weekly, weekly kind of I'll let you guys tear it apart. I'm not tearing it apart. I've been I now I don't know if I would say first or second team. I think the the highest I've gone is I could see him being third team, uh all big ten. But I'm um, hey. Hop aboard the Devonte train. It's uh, you know, we're starting to we're starting to get some people piling on here. Seats are getting scarce. So, uh, by the way, Richie wanted to know. Richie said it sounds like I paid you to say that. I did not pay him to say that. That was Coach's own independent thoughts coming through there. Andy, do you want to splash some cold water on the excitement here? Uh, it, that it's a hard one to really say much about without really trying to go through and think of like of who the 10 players would be that be on the first and second team so uh, I definitely did not have time to to sort through that I think what you've seen from him over the course of these couple games and the Princeton game in particular was that he's really looking for other players I think there were times 
as he came back in the uh, in the first game that he was there for, the opponent of which is escaping me. Um, but I, I thought he was trying to look for his own shot a little bit just to shake some of the rust off. But I definitely thought that in the in the Princeton game, he did such a good job. And if guys could finish around the basket, he would have had twice as many assists as he ended up having. But but really did a good job of setting people up. And the other thing I feel like you've seen a lot, and maybe it's maybe it's coincidence, maybe it's me trying to pay more attention. It most certainly is me trying to read maybe too much into something. But there's a lot of shots where they kind of cut to him either after a play or something else when they're going back down on the defensive end. And he always is talking and pointing and getting everybody in the right spot. And I don't think that's something that we've seen a lot of from him in the past. And and maybe it's he's finally comfortable in his role and comfortable being a leader. Uh, and working through some of those things. But I think that is a good sign for IU, regardless of where he shakes out from an all-Big Ten standpoint. But I think he is providing that on-court, you know, talking leadership, uh, those kinds of things, and and seems to be having more fun. You still see some of the flashy plays, but a little bit more uh, under control at times. And, you know, Archie, I forget exactly what he said, but I kind of chuckled when I listened to his, you know, comment about Devontae uh, after the game. So I, first, second team might be might be a stretch, but I've been really encouraged by what I've seen from him so far, for sure. So I can see why you would uh, would I'm hold out hope for that claim. Watch out, Cassius. Watch out, Xavier. He's coming. Yeah. Well, and when, you know, Indiana wins all them Big Ten games, you know, and he's the leading player. He's going to be elevated, right? So Heck you're yeah. successful because of team success. And um yeah, you said weekly held, so I had to go with something. But I loved this press conference after Troy. How did it feel to be out there? It felt good. I thought I, OG was back in the team room getting interviewed. You know, with I don't even know. I don't even brevity. know why he went out there if he wasn't going to like really give answers. Yeah, like but, why um, even go? But but it's a seriousness. Like you know, it's, I'm not going on some long winded thing about myself. It felt good. I'm glad to be out there. Hey. Okay, move on. I, I, I I'm all like about it. it. The year of green, baby. I'm I'm all in on it. So it's nice to have someone else here with me, walking walking out on that plank with me, Coach. I like it. Uh, Andy, what uh, what opinion of yours is uh, kind of strong, but you know, weakly held? Well, I had I was trying to come up with a good one about kind of the balance of the team, but as I look now, there's four guys averaging in double figures. So to go out and say four guys are going to average in double figures didn't feel great since that's actually happening right now. And five feels like a stretch. Um, but I'm going to say that, uh, that trace ends up leading the team in scoring. Whoa. Uh, Whoa. Okay. Rebounding, rebounding wise for sure. I think is at least at this point feels, uh, like not going out on too much of a limb and block shots definitely doesn't feel like going out on much of a limb, but wow. If, if you look now, he's third on the team, a couple points per game behind Justin Smith. So we're only five games in. So lots, lots of games to be played. But I think you see from him what what everybody talked about with him. Really high motor, smart guy, plays hard, excellent rebounder. His rebounding rates are are both are strong in both ends. So he's going to be able to get some easy buckets. And again, I think you saw last night the team made adjustments to how they could use these guys. He cuts well off the ball. If other guys can find him, he's going to shoot a high percentage and not take a ton of shots from too far away from the basket. But I just think he gets enough there. Does a great job getting to the free throw line, shoots it well when he gets there. So that'll be my uh, my bold prediction that I did nef- definitely did not think I would have had before. I think we were even debating whether he might be a double-figure guy Wow! Uh, right out of the gate. But I think he does enough things well that he's going to find himself on the floor unless he gets into foul trouble and he's going to be out there enough to uh, 
to do it and everything spreads spreads around to other guys and uh, and he finds a way to do that so man see and i think if you made me put money on it i think i would say the trace is going to finish fifth in scoring like i think it'll be really close but i think i think the guards are all going to score more than him and then it's between he and justin i i could see that one going either way i mean you know i i agree with some of your logic there i just don't know once once there's more size and athleticism on the court, I think he's going to have some games where he struggles to kind of get in the offensive flow. And I just think the guard scoring will be more consistent throughout the year. Um, you know, and I don't know that he's going to have like the 22, 24 point games to help make up for the inevitable, you know, two or four point games that are coming. So I would, I'd be, I, I can't fully buy into that. I still think he'll be four, fifth and fourth or fifth. Once we get the guards worked back into, you know, into the lineup consistently. But hey, the chat mob I, I, was impressed with you. Jay said yeah. Andy's coming in hot. Whoa, this is a limb. So I mean, you know, you provided interesting content, and that was the goal of the segment. <laughs> That's good. I, I'm I glad think, I I'm glad I could do that. I could see a path where he's in contention. I think Devontae eventually gets that unless he has a couple low scoring games here while he's getting getting back into the speed of things. But when Rob and Devontae come back, that's gonna spread things out a little bit. Um and I think I think ultimately where I would see him elevate up in the top two uh, scores is because he's such a talent that the minutes are going to have to, you know, right now you think you got four post players and you're going to try to spread the minutes out and keep them at 20 to 21, 22, but his energy and, and the way he plays and his enthusiasm, it's just, it's something that's might need to stretch a few more minutes. And um, you know, his athleticism down there makes all the difference. I love the way he guards. I know that's not helping Andy's uh, scoring. It'll help him stay on the floor, though. So that, yeah, floor. In that way, in that way, it does. <laughs> help. In that way, it helps. Man, his ball screen defense is the, is better than than anyone else uh, as far as getting out, hedging, and getting back and recovering. And so he's impressed me more on that end, and in that that leads to more minutes. So I, look, I, don't I think I've, you're totally out there on a on a weak limb. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think you are either. I, mean, I think the scoring is going to be bunched I've up. Said as it dumber is dumber stuff on the show so. at other times for sure. So I mean, this is not really. Yeah, I mean, we could be yeah. talking about the difference between like a half a point, you know, you know, separating some of those guys down there. But look, I I didn't really know as much what to expect from Trace in the offseason. Kind of tried to downplay his impact, but he's been so much better through five games than I thought. He's won three three of the five game balls. I think know? that's so what I don't think it's out, I, to... I don't think it's outlandish, even if I disagree with it. Yeah, I think that's ultimately what prompted me. I just feel like he's been so much better than what I, I, I... He's done the things that you expected him to do, but I think he's been better in other regards. Who knows what the whole gold jersey thing means, but it certainly would suggest he's working really hard in practice and, and continuing to improve and find a ways to contribute there, which is going to find him minutes on the floor. And I think some of the other stuff cancels stuff out because, like I said, one of the other ones I was trying to come up with was something around the, the balance of, of the scoring because I think you could potentially have you know six guys average uh, seven eight points a game maybe you know maybe more than that so it, it will be pretty you know kind of flat distribution but I'll, I'll take my chances so all right I'm glad yeah. Jay approves so I get you know bold sports opinions and apparently uh, lots of profanity are what I bring to the show so yeah, Campbell saying is this the night of hot takes these are strong opinions weekly held so we're not necessarily trying to have hot takes but we're just trying to figure out of all the stuff we're kind of feeling through these five games what do we kind of feel strongest about, even if, you know, even if we realize that you know, we still need to see a lot more? Okay, I will throw in one more uh, that we have time for. Currently, Indiana, what are we, 21st in Kempom and adjusted offensive efficiency and like 50th in defense? I think we're going to finish higher on defense than we do offense. 
I think some of the stuff that we've done offensively, it's been good. I think some of that stuff isn't going to be there come Big Ten play, and I think we will steadily improve defensively throughout the season. Um, and look, I think Archie wants this to be a program that prides itself on defense, so I just think you know, come hell or high water, this defense will get better throughout the season, or it's going to be Archie Bruiser and Mike Roberts out there playing the minutes. So I think I, I, I see us being higher in Ken Palm adjusted defensive efficiency than offensive efficiency, and they've got 30 spots to go to flip that. But I think it'll flip by the end of the year. And that would not have been a controversial opinion at all like two weeks ago. I think that's what we all expected. But you know, that's why I think you got to be a little careful putting too much stock into these early results, unless you guys disagree. Don't, aren't the numbers still somewhat from last year? There's some of that built. formula I, so so built yeah, in. I think but it gets into like January. I want to say he said when it yeah. finally gets out, like around the end of December, that any of the preseason stuff falls out of there. Yeah, I, I here's what I I think we don't have to be a top thirty defense to make the tournament because we're we're at fifty fifty one right now. We get down close to thirty. I think that's that's good enough. But I've been really impressed with our offense. So I do say that Archie and the pack line and the defense is supposed to be better. I I do think that's a pretty valid point. But boy, if the offense is higher than the defense and the defense improves, again, I mean, look, if, in the right if direction. The, yes, if the offense finishes higher and the defense still becomes what we think it will, well, now things are really going well. So I, you know, I'm not ready to bank on that yet. I. I still think there's been some fool's gold in some of this offense through the first five games. So I am not fully ready to buy in that this is an explosive offense yet. We're going to have some tough offensive nights, and we're going to have to rely on the defense. And Archie has said that over and over again, and I, I agree with him. So that's one thing I'm trying to you know, just stay even-keeled about, even as exciting as it is to see us put up all these points. I, I think to a certain extent, the the defense, if you're if you're right and the defense improves that much, this team has played really well in transition and at times when the offense has gotten stagnant that has really propelled them offensively so if the defense can't get that much better create additional turnovers continue to control the glass and really push the ball up the floor the transition points could help the the offensive piece so uh, the the pieces uh, from a roster standpoint are definitely there to improve a lot on defense based on what we've seen and to me that all hinges on Rob and Devontae really being able to contain dribblers because that more than anything is what's really killed killed IU defensively either because that guy scores or everybody gets in rotation and and things like that so you've had times when you haven't had you know you've had one game essentially where both of your your top two on ball guys have actually been there on the perimeter and you had one good half and one bad half in that regard so I guess you see what happens but I yeah I I certainly could see that. I don't think what you I don't think that one's outlandish by by any means. I think the gap is a bit exaggerated right now to be 30 spots different. Yep. All right, coming up in our third segment, we are going to answer your questions as we always do, including the mediocre question of the week. Uh, and what our favorite change to the offense has been so far this season and a bushel of others, however many we can get to. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. Ethan Happ, and I never listen to the Assembly Call, especially the episodes that Ryan is on. 
Welcome back to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips. No, not Ryan Phillips. Andy Bottoms and uh, <laughs> Coach Brian Tonsoni. I just had my Ron Burgundy moment where I read what was on the script instead of actually thinking. Actually, I was con- I, here, here's why that happened. I was thinking how ridiculous that intro is with Ethan Happ because he says, I never listen especially the episodes that Ryan's on, which doesn't make any sense. Like, how could you actively not listen more to a show that you don't even listen to in the first place? <laughs> but his his willingness to be so spiteful to Ryan is just really impressive. So thank you for that, Ethan. Okay, we'll skip the rest of that stuff since I, uh, since I messed up the intro there. Uh, but let's go to the mediocre question of the week. From Jay Horry, all these questions submitted in our private IU basketball discussion community, assemblycall.com slash community. Mediocre question of the week. IU has obviously been limited due to injuries and illness in what lineups it's been able to play so far this season. For example, Rob Devontae and Al haven't been on the floor together yet. So, assuming full health moving forward, what lineups are you looking forward to getting some more run? Given what we've seen through five games, what lineups do you think will be best on offense and on defense? Uh, Coach, you want to tackle this one first? Yeah, I'll just go on one aspect and throw it over to Andy. I like it for defense in the post. I like race and and trace both in if they're going to play two bigs. I'm a big proponent of the small lineup. I'd like to see it. It hasn't been healthy yet. So so I would like to see Justin and race to take time at the four and trace and Joey and Duran split time at the five. Uh, but that's just personal preference. But I like that defense and rebounding with uh, Trace and Race at the four and five, if they are going to go big, and then maybe just one big with um, um, you know, and then who you play at the third. Yeah, what what are you doing with the three though in that lineup? You could you could play Justin. Um, and that would be, you know, he's supposed to be the team's best defender, so you would put him with two guards, and it would be Rob and Devonte. That would be the best defensive lineup. That is that I, is I the best defensive lineup. Yeah, I agree with that. But you only have two you know, two credible shooters out there. So that that's your problem is on the other end, you know. Correct. You can struggle a little bit. Andy, what, what do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. We talked about this a little bit, I think, during the break. Maybe it was on the show. I'm not sure. I'm, this is not a Ryan scenario where I wasn't sure whether it was rolling or not. I just truly don't remember at what point of the night we talked about this. But Oh, the podcast uh, is off? Yeah, there you are. <laughs> so, the, so Louisiana Tech, though, has basically plays a four-guard lineup. So I'm a little bit curious whether you might see in that game do you see those three guards all play and then Justin at the four potentially and, and a guy like trace things like that. I, I do. I would like to see what some of those lineups with those three guards in there look like, because I think we all at times maybe thought there might be two different guys playing with those three, but heading into the season, we thought there'd be a lot of times those three would be on the floor uh, together. And I think more kind of going back to the point I made in the last segment around defense a little bit more of Rob and Devonte together, see what that can do from a, a defense at the point of attack standpoint. But I agree with coach about race and trace. I think those we've talked about that on a number of shows that they complement each other really well uh, as they're playing out there, both really strong defensively and would definitely be part of a, a really tough defensive lineup. Just give me Devonte, Rob and Al together. I want to see those guys playing together. And I think you can mix and match so many lineups. Here's an off the wall one that I think could be effective in the right situation. It is, you know, Deron Davis is kind of the forgotten guy here, but if we can get him healthy, he's still going to play an important role for this team. I would want to see a lineup where you surround Deron with as much shooting as possible because he's one of the best players in the country at passing out of the post and at leading to made three-pointers because he's got great vision and he's a really good passer. So I would love to see Deron with the three guards, Devontae, Al, uh, and Rob, and then either Jerome or Demise, whichever one is kind of going. 
So you've got four shooters with Duran in there, and I think that actually presents a lot of problems defensively because of his ability to score and pass out of the post. Now, defensively, especially if you've got Demizi and Duran out there, you you could have some issues. So this buckle is maybe up, yeah, yeah. <laughs> buckle up. But I think I think offensively that lineup is pretty interesting in terms of actually being a lineup that could be Indiana's only volume three point shooting lineup. So it's just it's interesting to me. I'd love to see how it actually functions, but theoretically it intrigues me offensively yeah one offensive one if if you really get jerome going so to coach's point if he ends up being you know sixth seventh on the team in minutes offensive lineup might be trace justin jerome al and Devante. that might be one of your better offensive lineups that you could put out there lead to yeah. some potential defensive struggles but could uh, but interesting it's fun. No, th- this roster is fun to kind of mix and match. All right, we've got about a minute left, so let's get to this question uh, from JD. What is your favorite change to the offense this year? What offensive change do you think is most likely to continue as the competition competition level increases going forward? Coach, what, what's been your favorite one? I'll keep it simple. Movement, uh, player movement, ball movement. Uh, I, I really like to see that. Um, and you know, again, an older guy, the whole ISO and ball screen stuff is the way that college basketball is being played. But I like that movement and of people and the ball. And that's been the biggest offensive thing that I've enjoyed. I'll tell you, mine is Indiana's willingness and commitment to crash the offensive glass. And the reason why I like it is it fits this roster and it shows that Archie is not just irrationally committed to these dogmatic principles that he has because we, you know, teams that play pack line don't often crash the offensive glass and his teams have never profiled that way, but he knows this team needs to do it. And it's a focus. And I like seeing a coach that can adjust like that. Andy, we got about 10 seconds. Uh, I will go with functioning baseline out of bounds place. Oh boy. Those have been pretty, haven't they? Dramatically better. Yes. Dramatically better. Yes, yes, they have. That's it. We're done. No more questions. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for us on this week's episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks, as always, to Bob Thompson for producing a lot of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We will be back to talk with you again Monday night after IU Louisiana Tech. Until then. Take it from me, Christian Wofford. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. Go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. All right. Good stuff, gentlemen. Uh, Do you guys have time to hit some of these other questions? Yep. Were there any other offensive changes that you guys wanted to hit? Oh, uh, I, the only thing I would have said other than what I did say was the just just better movement, just not having to watch dudes stand around, wait on somebody else to make a play. Yeah, and uh, Coach Jeff from the community said uh, it's seeing the movement on the weak side to occupy the defenders rather than just standing and allowing the defense to be set. Good, goodness gracious, yes. Absolutely. Oh, also making, m- making free throws. Because... I, I like the transition. I still think, for me, it needs to get even better. Um, but, but we're getting out and pushing a little bit uh, more this year, and I think Archie even wants more and more and more of that. Um, so, you know, that's been a little better if you're looking for something else offensively. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's hit some of these other ones. Paul says, once Big Ten play hits, do you expect a consistent starting five or a matchup-dependent starting five? So I think... Based on just kind of history and what Archie has said, I think his DNA as a coach is to have a consistent starting five. I think that's what he wants to do. 
I think this year will be interesting in that he's got a lot of options, so I could see him kind of mixing and matching, but I think he'll I think he'll settle on a starting lineup. And I don't know what it's going to be because I think it'll be interesting to see does he go with the three guards, um, you know, or does he take one of Justin, Trace, or Joey off the court? Joey would be the most obvious one, but I, I really think after how bad we started games last year, I think it's going to be hard for Archie to take him out of the starting lineup because of the leadership role he has on the team and the toughness he brings from the opening tip. So, you know, he's a guy that I could see at times playing 50% of his minutes in the game in his first run out there. Um, So he'd be the most obvious one, but I do think Archie will settle on one and let guys settle into their roles. But it'll be interesting to see what that is once the guards are actually healthy. Do you you agree with that, Coach, that he... He's a, a coach that just seems like he wants to have that set starting lineup each game. Yeah, I mean, if your team is kind of set and you know what rotations you want and coming in with that second wave, whether you want a, a defensive presence or an offensive presence off the bench, once you make that decision, coaches generally will stick with that. Um, you know, it, and again, it's about defining roles and putting players in position to succeed. Um, it, sometimes you, you can struggle if constantly someone doesn't know they're starting, you know, coming off the bench, only getting eight minutes or nine minutes. Um, I don't mind that if it's, uh, you know, some not disciplinarian, but if you're not playing, you don't get more minutes. I don't mind that. Um, but I think having a set lineup is probably the best, uh, but people have to earn it and then they have to keep it. You know, you could have a set lineup and then someone replaces that uh, in game 14 or 15 because someone's playing better and then that becomes the set lineup until it, it changes and keep that competition level too. So uh, I can see some of that going, but I do think he'll settle in and it will, will be interesting whether it's the three guards or they, they maintain the, 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 the big lineup that they've been going with. Yes, some good notes in the chat mob too about why it's probable that it would probably be Al that comes off the bench, and again he'll probably you know play starters minutes as Jay said, but it's just you know how do you what do you do with that first rotation in the game? And given our our the thinness at guard, I can definitely see Archie wanting to have you know an experienced guy like Al who can come in off the bench instead of having all three of them out there at the beginning. That does make a lot of sense. You could start the defensive lineup, then bring Al off the bench with Jerome off the bench with Duran and, and, you know, Joey or something coming off the bench or a little more off offense and really get a, a good start defensively, shutting people down and then blitz them with some uh, offense maybe. You know, coaches think about that kind of stuff as well. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, when, Andy? Yeah, I think it'll I, – I, I agree with Coach. I think – I don't think it'll be consistent the whole time, and it may ebb and flow a little bit, but I don't view it as a game-to-game – matchup dependent thing i think it's going to be who's playing well together but i i i mean everything we've seen from him over the course of the the couple of seasons is that once he gets a group that he feels good about he tends to stick with it and and it takes a while to to shift it which i would imagine will be the case again uh all right this is from jesse you got to love a question that begins with i almost hesitate to ask this question because it will sound like i don't trust archie uh, that's not the case i think he is what we need but here goes so we know that he doesn't hand out offers like Crean did, which is great. Where is the balance of waiting to offer a guy later versus earlier? He says, like in Garcia's case, Marquette already had a big start on us. Granted, that's going to happen because you're not going to be first everywhere, but we've seen several times now where we jump in later on a recruit and recruit the heck out of him, but we've still come up short. I do realize that availability and playing time factors in uh, you know, lots of players in making their decision. I mean, I think Archie is definitely showing that he's going to be an early on the in-state guys, you know, and, and which makes sense because he knows those guys and you can build those relationships a little bit easier. 
you know, and they got in relatively early with with Garcia, you know, for an out of state player. But you know, Marquette just happened to be in there for a long time. That was always going to be an uphill climb. But I agree, with, coach, with the sentiment you said earlier, which is essentially, you know, you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. And so if you're going to be in big time recruiting battles, you're probably going to lose more than you win, especially out of state for a, you know, a guy like Garcia. So I don't like there have been some recruiting disappointments to be sure. And it's easy to focus on those, but I'm still generally pretty happy with the recruiting and kind of the, the base that Archie's built, Andy. So, you know, I'm, I'm, and I, Believe me, I much prefer Archie's more cautious approach with scholarships than, you know, seeing a dude have one good shooting game in like an open gym and offering him a scholarship. Those yeah, things have happened. The, yeah, I think there's no, that's not true. Uh, I think I think there's a balance somewhere in the middle of there. But I also think if you put yourself in. Maybe maybe kids don't view it this way. I certainly am too old to have any great, great handle on how that might be, but it should mean something to get one and it shouldn't, you know, if these guys are keeping tabs on any of it, it shouldn't be, I'm one of, you know, I'm one of 15 guys who in the past two weeks got offers. Cause at that point, I don't know that that sends a great message from a recruiting perspective either. So even if you're early and, you know, passing those out like crazy, I don't, I guess I don't see, I think that you could foresee a way that that plays against you as well. So I don't know that I feel bad about how any of that's gone yeah you've lost some of these but i think they've honed in on they've honed in on guys they wanted and i think in a lot of cases they've been able to get those guys in some cases they haven't and i think it becomes more pronounced when it's a more focused effort as opposed to i've cast this incredibly wide net i don't really know whether i should feel bad about not getting this guy or that guy because i've got so many uh you know i've got so many so many offers out there. So I, it doesn't necessarily bother me. I think you've got to strike a balance. It'll be interesting to watch if he changes that philosophy, but he also seems to be very keen on, I only really want to go out and try to get guys who fit what I'm trying to do. So I think in some ways that mindset limits the number of guys that you might offer anyway, or limits offering them fast because you want to kind of get to know that kid, let them get to know the program and figure out if you think it's a good fit. So I don't know that 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 even any recruit would come back now and say, "Hey, that's really been the difference between me picking Indiana." If they think it's the right fit, I don't know that it matters when they they got the offer. Yeah, and let's also be and, careful with the out of state narrative because he hasn't landed the big fish. But Race and Jerome are pretty good out of state recruits, you know. So like it's I I hear that and like I get it because we've gone after some five star guys, but though you know those are two really good players that we got from out of state. So it's not like Archie can only do stuff, you know, in Indiana anyway. Okay. So, you know, and I, please listeners don't take this as a negative. Like I I don't like those people when, when Garcia goes to Marquette, everyone says we don't want him anyway. Right. So this is not coming across as that, but I wonder if these guys come and they say, Archie wants you to practice hard and his playing time is going to be up for competition. And Archie's being honest with them. And they're like, man, I'm better than that. I'm going to go to a school that's going to cater to my whims and needs and, and play me. And if I have a bad game, they're going to play me again. Um, and I'm not accusing Marquette of that or anyone like that, but are they coming in and Archie's laying down, here's what the program's like. And they just find that Memphis is a little bit more enjoyable because you can tweet at professional players from Tennessee and badmouth, you know, get that rivalry going like Kenyonis is doing. 
and, 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 you know, you, and a lot of our fans get mad. The guy who went to, uh, decommitted from Virginia tech to go to North Carolina. And we finished, you know, we are shooting for some big dudes and maybe they don't want to come in and do what Archie, it's not Archie's fault. It's Archie's laying down his program and has high standards. And I don't know that that's true. I'm not in the program, but, um, just, I see Leo, I see Galloway, I see Geronimo, and they love IU. And Coach Tonsoni loves them for loving IU. And, and no disrespect to anyone who doesn't love IU, but you don't love IU so long. It's it's time to move on. And, and, uh, you I know, agree. And, but look at, look at Purdue. When's Purdue really gotten a five-star? When's Purdue gotten into the last two or three uh, down to Garcia, down to Quinones, down to some of these guys? Why? Because Coach Painter d- recruits differently, and he wants guys that want to come in and play for Purdue. And he's got two guys, Newman and, and the, the Gillis kid, who are redshirting. That's got to be a hard decision for those kids, but those kids are doing it. The Stefanovic kid can nail threes, and he was you know, not a big-time recruit, and Purdue wins. And the same with Virginia. Kyle Guy was not a f- superstar NBA athlete and went down there and was a really big part of that program. So he wasn't McDonald's all American though, to be fair. That, that's, that's fair. That's true. Um, but he was still no tie Jerome though. You do want to shoot for him. You do want to get him, but if you don't, <laughs> let's, you know, man, if you're not, if you're not down with IU so long, yeah, just so long. <laughs> I like that. You know, good luck to you. And I, and I don't mean that, <laughs> negatively but well i kind of do but <laughs> uh okay so i think we've beaten that. get the hell out of here i don't mean that <laughs> negatively <laughs> but you're dead to me so yeah. uh okay patrick is our strength of schedule significantly lower than last year or do we just consolidate our cupcakes into november so i just went through and looked uh you know just in terms of how often we have played teams ranked 200th or worst or 200th or worse. Uh, this year we have six of them. Obviously, they're all you know coming early. Uh, and you know, to his point, in no other season have they all been concentrated in the beginning. We've almost always had two of these games in late December. You know, right around the holidays. Um, so they are definitely concentrated. But there's six this year. There were five of them again, 200 or worse in 2019 and 2018. And then in the seasons uh, preceding those, 2017, eight, 2016, six. Uh, 2015, 2014, and 2013, we played seven of them. And in 2012, we played five. So it does feel like there's a whole lot of cupcakes right now, but it's still fewer than we were playing uh, on an annual basis under the previous uh, regime. They just weren't quite as concentrated to the question. Yeah, I think it, yeah, I mean, to me, I think it's two things driving it. One is you're not in the Gabbett game, so that doesn't give you, or they didn't have a Gabbett games game this year. That takes one away. And the other is the Big Ten ACC challenges later because of how late Thanksgiving is, and it's always after that. So those are typically late November games that this year get pushed to early December. So you have some of those built-in ones that are that are there, and I don't know that anybody has gone out of their way to try to schedule anybody other other top 100, you know, buy game type scenarios in there. So I think it's the consolidation of it that probably makes it seem worse than it is. Yep, I am. Um... It's it's apples and oranges because it's in season versus postseason. I think Ken Palm uh, has 2019 at the end of the season rankings, but I averaged out the six teams from last year and the average of the seven teams that aren't big name teams, including Louisiana Tech at 91. Uh, maybe that skews it mathematically a little bit, but it, this year's 
cupcake schedules 240 Ken Palm and last year's was 258 so they're they're in the ballpark um it's just one more uh because of the Gabbitt games and um you know interesting that they did move a um take a Louisiana Tech 91 they didn't get another 200 they they tried to get someone in there and then some of the programs have historically been better Princeton South Dakota State some of those have been better but um you would like to see at least one more, you know, better game, bigger game um, with the 20 game Big Ten schedule. Um, but again, 18, 19, and 20 is a lot better than uh, the previous regime with eight in 2017 uh, sub 200. So it's headed in the right direction. And I think with this young team, I thought they just made a game or two cautious more than they would if they had a veteran team. Yep. All right, it's getting late, so let's knock these out, these last few out quickly. Scott says this is more of a statement. He says, every week I listen to Archie's show with Fish, and I have to say it's much more enjoyable than ever listening to Coach Crean. I don't miss the Crean speak, Crean language with all the Creanisms and catchphrases. Like he unpacked his bags when he clearly did not. Uh, Archie doesn't give us BS like... Wait, Archie doesn't give us that BS like load management. Uh, I'd bet Crean could have talked 10 minutes on that question and said virtually nothing. Amen. Load management. So, okay, there's a statement uh, from Jeff. As the Hoosiers get healthy, will the offense continue to get better as they looked in the second half last night with both player and ball movement? I mean, I think the health is definitely going to help with that, yeah. And if you can get Rob and Devontae out there, now you've got your two playmakers, and it makes you more dynamic as opposed to trying to have Alan Armand do that, which is not their strength. So, again, I think, you know, when we play better teams, you know – the the lanes it's not going to be quite as comfortable as it's been in some of these games but yeah i mean i think when we get healthy uh just based on what we've seen with the movement and the motion and some of the chemistry we've seen offensively it's only going to get better when those guys get healthy how good i don't know but i you know i i do i do like what i've seen just in terms you know from a schematic standpoint and the mindset they're taking to offense i just want to see once they're scouted more and teams start taking away the first and second options how do we adjust and do we have enough guys who can just go get a bucket when you're really facing elite level defenses. That's what I don't know about. Yeah. I think a lot of, a lot of this we've, we've talked about Archie being able to use some of these games to experiment with different lineups. In some cases, the injuries have forced potential experiments that maybe he didn't even want to try or think to try. But I think once everybody, you know, when and if everybody gets back healthy, you start to see a little bit more, standard rotations and guys playing together and that kind of familiarity and consistency helps a lot. They talked about that on the broadcast in between dad jokes, Sean Morris uh, brought up some, uh, <laughs> some things about, you know, about Devante just being able to get the extra practices in and being able to how much of a difference, you know, he had said that made with being able to uh, step in and, and get more familiar with the guys. I think Devante talked about that a little bit after the game as well, just being able to, uh, have more practice time with with guys that he, you know, hasn't really played with since the season got started. So I think that that level of consistency and 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 having a better idea of what groups are going to be on the floor together more often will definitely help with that. And I, I think you do see them wearing teams down a little bit. Again, there's a competition level piece to that, but I do think being able to generally throw waves of guys and have a bunch of guys playing 15, 18 minutes thus far has paid dividends as games have gone further down the stretch. There was a great, you know, like awkward moments in Big Ten Network announcing history between Sean Morris. I don't know who the play-by-play guy was. 
I think it might have been when Devontae was like, you know, through one of his little like spin uh, post entry passes or something. And Sean Morris tried to make a joke that was like, you know, that was like masterpiece theater, like it, but it had too much English on it or something. Like he was trying to make a joke that was yeah. like saying too much English on the ball. And it was a terrible joke. But yeah. then the announcer's like, whoa, we just had a Master P reference. I wasn't expecting that. It's like, <laughs> like the first joke was bad and him not even getting it and bringing up Master P. It was, you know, it was just great, great moments in Sean yeah. Morris broadcast. Sean had been <laughs> workshopping that one for a while. He just needed to get it out there for the people. Uh, I, I have to say this. I have grown to like him. Like, I, I actually think he he provides decent enough analysis. And, you know, I've definitely heard that he's just a, like a great guy. Everybody at the Big Ten Network just loves him. So I I like his dad jokes, especially now that I'm a dad and I tell my own stupid jokes. And so I I feel you, Sean. I feel you. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, do you think Archie will have a hard time distributing the minutes to everyone uh, to keep everyone happy once we get into Big Ten play? Dan, do you want to take this one and then you can bounce? Uh, uh, yeah, that's fine. I was going to let Coach take that one. That I took the last one. But uh, I, I do think you'll see the rotation tighten up uh, out of necessity, if if nothing else. I don't think you'll continue to see this many guys playing. I think you'll see the, roughly the same number of guys getting minutes, but I think the way those are distributed will will change. And you know, I, But I think we've seen and heard how you practice is going to dictate those things, how the games play and the game flow will help dictate some of that. So I think, I don't know that the rotation itself will necessarily get shorter, but I think the distribution of minutes is going to not be as even as it has been over the course of these games. Coach. Yeah. I I think you're going to see nine guys get rotations and then those 10th and 11th are going to be matchup guys uh, for their, their minutes uh, depending on how they can be used at certain times. I just think that's overall better. You, you play too many guys and you don't get in a rhythm, I think. And that's some of the first half problems with the scripted subs that have happened uh, without the injuries uh, that you don't get in a flow and you don't s- see that proceed in the first half. So I think he'll settle in to play nine guys, 10 and 11 a little bit. Yes. All right. I think that's a good stopping point for the evening. Man. There are Friday, Saturday, so we got like three, almost four full days without a show. That's rare once the uh, once the season starts with that Monday game. Nothing no, over true. the weekend, and it is you two Monday night, correct? Yep. Yes, we'll okay. be here eight eight thirty is the tip, which is why I think I can do it because I'll be home from Mallard's practice by then. Oh wow, that game's not tipping until eight thirty. I'm pretty sure that's right. All right, well then I may I may be actually be able to watch it and hop on the show, but I'll just I'll come on as like a co-host because I won't be able to watch the whole thing. Um, so how do we do that when we and we don't need to do this in front of when I sign in to host? Don't let everybody know that we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> don't I have to sign in under your um, sign-in stuff? Yeah, but if I'm going to hop on, I'll just create another account and come in. Okay, and come in. I'll separately. just use his 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 Zoom burner account. To yeah. Get in and do it. <laughs> It is uh, it is eight thirty. Eight thirty tip. Okay. All right, then I might actually be able to make that one. Big Ten Network, so, yeah. All right, good That's stuff. Nice. They're gradually our first, moving our first the, challenge of the season. I'm gradually moving the tip times back to get ready for the Florida State game that'll start at like nine forty five by the time the other games get over or whatever Gosh. it'll be. Those are always fun. Yeah. Hey uh, perfect. Jared, <laughs> quick question. Do you have a formal run sheet or anything for that? Or do I just go off of uh Yeah, for the post game shows? Yeah, for the yeah. post game shows. Yeah, I'll send it over to you. Okay, just so I can get ready Sunday or whatever. Yep. I will send it over to you so you've got it. Appreciate cool. it. 
Awesome. Well, hey, thanks All for right. being here, everybody. Saw there were some questionable uh, NBA draft projections going on in the chat mob the last few minutes. I'm not sure I buy the opinions that were being, <laughs> being discussed in there. But I do. Right. We always love the activity. So great to see you guys in there. Uh, we always appreciate it. And uh, talk to you Good Monday cool. after I hear Louisiana Tech. See you all. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player fine. With the powerful combination of Michelin X1 tires and the Michelin Energy Guard aerodynamic solution on your truck, you can save 17 gallons every 1,000 miles. Go to business.michelinman.com slash fuel saver for details. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates in Northbrook, Illinois.